Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome back to the Razzball Fantasy Hockey Podcast. This is Reed, joined by Viz. Viz, it's been a while. Um, you're down in West Virginia. How's it going, buddy? Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, yeah, it's it's going well. Wild and wonderful West Virginia. I'm taking uh ECHL game on Friday night that has uh, they call it Frosty Friday dollar beers. So should be a uh, a good one between the Wheeling Nailers and the Brampton Beast. That <laughs> that has my attention, but uh, otherwise it's good. I mean, fantasy playoff time and uh, yeah, it's. The end of the year is sadly approaching us. Uh, granted, the playoffs are going to be pretty unreal, it looks like, based on uh, you know, the top-end teams are just really, really good. And I'm interested to see if these teams, this, the style of play doesn't get uh, toned down a bit because of the playoffs. I hope the refs call everything the same way and teams keep playing the same way. But um, at this point, it's crossing fingers. Uh, no one gets hurt and... Pray to have a little luck and for the fantasy head-to-head playoffs because, I mean, you need some luck in a two-week period for sure, especially in, in goaltending. Yeah, absolutely. Goaltending, um, goaltending can either put you in the playoffs or send you pretty much packing like it did me this year for fantasy yeah. hockey. Uh, yeah, I mean, last year for like Devin Dubnik was the number one goalie almost all year, and I had him basically everywhere and. And then by the time the fantasy playoffs ro- rolled around, he was an absolute disaster. And, you know, I I can't bitch because he got me there. But at the same time, it he also killed me <laughs> once I got there. So that's just uh, how it goes. Hopefully, you know, if you're a team or person who had, I don't know, Holtby or somehow, someone like that, and you still managed to get in the playoffs, that they could at least give you something now. But odds are he probably, probably killed you. Yeah. Um all right, so I guess let's just get right into, well, let's just do fantasy playoff advice. Just yeah. advice for the stretch run here. Was there a week left before the fantasy hockey playoffs? Uh, I mean, depending on depending on your league settings, I mean, you either could be in the playoffs already, or yeah, perhaps you only have, uh, you know, if it's a two week playoff, then it'll start next week, obviously. Um, the biggest thing is just getting starts. No matter how you do it, um, use the playoff schedule manifesto that I wrote to, to time out like who to pick up the stream so you can get you know two games in a row, or back to back or three games in four nights. So just, you need the starts more than anything. Um, don't hold on to players who are out, which I'd say is like the most important thing. Even if the guy's really good, uh, you know, if he's gonna miss the next game or two. He only has two games or, or three or four games this week. Even you're just missing out on way too much, and you just have to cut bait. Like it sucks, but you know, take Pittsburgh for example. They only have two games this week. They already played one of them. You know, it, you can't be holding on to basically anyone but Kessel, Malkin, and uh, Crosby. You can't even Hornquist. I'd be cutting bait. Uh, Gunsel, Brassard, Sheary. You're only going to get one more star for them over five days. It's just a lot for you to have to overcome. So as good as those guys are, you can't justify holding them in this time period, especially, say, if you knew Malcolm was going to miss the next game for maintenance or something. Like I understand not wanting to cut him unless, you know, unless you're in the finals, and then obviously everything's different, or if there's keeper ramifications. But just – being super aggressive because it's it's not really going to burn you. There's no real downside. Like 
as good as someone is, we're talking a nine-game sample now. If if someone like mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a good example, uh, Mark Shifley was just hurt and he just came back, but I would have cut him last week. What's he going to do over nine games? He might end up getting six points, and you can get that anywhere. Sure, he might go off, but you also would have had to sit on him for three missed games to get those numbers. So just just be aggressive is the, the main thing I could say. Yeah, you have to be in the playoffs in order to win in the playoffs, and in order to win your championship, you have to get into your championship week. So be aggressive, and we'll probably we'll do another one before – the championship week starts, but mm. I do have a funny story for the listeners about how I beat Viz a couple years ago. Actually, it was, I don't know if Viz remembers this or not, but I think he was actually really tilted with how many players I picked up in that, in uh, the last, I think it was the last day. I mean, you have, I mean, you have to do it though. Yeah, you have to. Um, standard ESPN league has seven waiver wire editions a week. Like, you should be using six of those seven at minimum every like every week from here on out. You should be yeah. rotating your your streamers should be rotating in and out, in and out. Just yeah. get as many games as possible. As Absolutely. Far as, I mean, yeah. I guess you. I, I kind of like to save one or two of them, um, just for the chance that if you do have it locked up before Sunday, you can make a move to position yourself for the next week. Uh, so I won't I won't blow through all of them, say, by, like, Friday. I'll want to have one or two at least in the bag, but definitely have to use them. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're no, that's fine. Um, Just a couple of quick other league-wide things. Um, Nate McKinnon is back. He has 91 points. He has only played 65 games. Um... <laughs> Besides just objectively how stupid those numbers are, if Colorado okay, if Colorado makes the playoffs, he is a lock for the MVP, right? For the heart. Yeah. yeah if they just miss, is he the is he the heart trophy winner? I mean, in my mind, it really doesn't make too much of a difference because they've already made such a huge jump. I, I assume that's gonna hurt his votes though. My problem is if say him and Taylor Hall both miss, what are they gonna do? Are they gonna decide to give it to Kucherov? Now, I, it's so yeah, it's like such a tough thing to balance, right? Like I think McKinnon. Now you could say on a per game basis, he's been better than Kucherov anyway, so there's not really a debate. But like, should we punish Kucherov for having really good teammates, where we're somewhat giving McKinnon credit and Hall credit because their teammates are much worse? So his, their play is elevating them. It's it's an interesting debate, for sure. But at the end of the day, with how well McKinnon's played over the last month, too, I just you can't justify, you know, Kucherov or even like Malkin over him. It's just he's playing. I don't want to say at another level, but he was hyped up as the next Crosby when he was 16 years old. There's no denying his upside. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to go back and listen to our, our preseason podcast, but we were talking about guys who are outside the top 50 that could jump, make a huge jump uh, this year, and I'm pretty sure we brought him up. We There's no denying his talent, and it's just it's unbelievable how he's gone to this level. I mean, let alone the points from a fantasy perspective. I mean, we're plus 16, 53 penalty minutes, and almost four shots a game. It's just 
all around. Where incredible. does he rank next year in uh, fantasy and drafts? I was thinking about this earlier, actually. Um, wow. I mean, I still have to put McDavid one. Right. Just because the safety is just so high. But you have to have him in the discussion for two. I think you're looking at a Kucherov, McKinnon, Crosby, um, Malkin, if you're willing to take the risk. But obviously there's risk there. Uh, probably something like that kind of group. Maybe you have Ovechkin in there too. Like he's certainly top five at this point. How can he not be? Yeah, I agree. Like just from a franchise history perspective, he has 91 points. That's the most by an Avs player since 2006, 2007 season. He has only played 65 games so far. 38 goals, most for the Avalanche franchise since 2002-2003. Again, he has only played 65 games so far, and they still have, what, nine games to go? They mm-hmm. still have a ton of games. They still have, a, like, almost ten games left. Like, he is putting up insane numbers, and he is... Then you look at Miko Rantanen, whose numbers just come out of nowhere, and you re- and you almost think, well, McKinnon is just feeding him point after point after point. And there's not a, like, what else is on Colorado? This is why I think I don't I don't care whether they make the playoffs or not. I, I think McKinnon's your MVP. Mm. I mean, you he it looks different because you missed the time, but I mean he's playing at 115 point pace. He's not going to get there, obviously, because of the missed time. But you put it that way, I mean, that's better than Kane's crazy year two years ago. That would be the best in a decade. So it's hard to just – you can't ignore that. It's it's unbelievable what he's doing. He's going to – I mean, he might end up with 100 points anyway at this rate. I don't want to call him a lock, but the way he's playing right now, he only needs nine more points and how many games they have left? I believe nine. I mean, I don't want to say that's a formality for him, but – Pretty close. Uh, getting to 100 points in 70 games is pretty ridiculous. Um, I, I hope they get in, honestly. It's it's such a good story, and it just no one absolutely expected it. I mean, if you said before the season, if you uh, I mean, you can't parlay futures, but if you bet Colorado and Vegas to both make the playoffs, God knows what the odds are, but... You did uh, fairly well for yourself, that's for sure. There, that's going to be your first-round playoff matchup right now. That's a first-round oh, matchup. That's true. I, I didn't think about that. That's uh, interesting for sure. The series no one predicted. Um. So I guess let's stay out west. Uh, Nashville, listen, they're 9-0-1 in their last 10. They've won four in a row. We were talking about how Winnipeg and Nashville were neck and neck. Uh, Nashville has just completely opened that up. They're eight points up on Winnipeg, and they have a game in hand. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, Nashville's the class of the league. I think it's not even just the West. I think they're just the class of the league. Um, They have two more points than Tampa, and they have a game in hand. I... This is it for Nashville. Like, I'm not sure where in the West they're going to run into trouble as long as they i don't think any of the pacific teams no, it's, will it's beat Winnipeg them in the second round it really like that's what it comes it, down to right yeah i mean that's the one series that like i don't think there'll be more than a t- i don't know i mean what percentage chance would you give 
a Nashville in a, in a Nashville Winnipeg series to win. Because I don't think, I mean, I think any other series, they're like 70% or better. I don't think, uh, I don't think they'd be that good against Winnipeg. I think it'd be more like a 60-40. Yeah, I was going to say maybe like. Li- maybe uh, even a little better for them. I think but... it's 64 because the thing about Winnipeg, um, uh, like you look at these teams' records, uh, Winnipeg twenty-seven seven and two at home, which is amazing. Nashville twenty-five seven and four at home, great. But here's where it gets interesting: on the road, Nashville twenty-three seven and six, which is ungodly on the road. Winnipeg on the road seventeen twelve and eight. Like. You have to be able to win on the road at some point in the playoffs. You can't just win your home games and hope for the best. Like, just win your home games and hope for the best. Like, Winnipeg's going to have to go on the road and win at Nashville. I'm not sure I could see that happening. I can see Nashville going on the road at Winnipeg and winning, though. Yeah, it's it's so weird. Like, I'm interested to see if in the playoffs home ice matters as much as it has in this regular season. I mean... You look at all the teams in the that are in the top three in their divisions in the East. The worst home records twenty four eleven and two right now, which is Columbus. If you look at the the West, uh, it's L A at nineteen fourteen and three, which isn't great. But the worst one after that is twenty two eleven and three. Like these teams just aren't going on on the road and winning, or or, or just they're dominating at home. Really, like. Winnipeg, if you count overtime losses and shootout losses, is just a straight loss. They have a losing record on the road, as does Minnesota. Uh, you know the the West or the Pacific's a little different. You know the Sharks are basically they're nineteen and eighteen. Uh, the other two are actually above, but these teams that are in the wild cards are just awful on the road comparatively. But I don't know if it's going to hold or not. Like last year, there was a lot of teams winning on the road, and it'll be interesting to see if. This is just how it is, or you know, last year is what they're going to regress to. I mean, I kind of think the latter more. I, I don't think home ice really matters too much in general when these teams are so damn good. So, I, I don't know. I Back to Nashville, though, yeah, I mean, they're obviously the big favorites. I think they are the, the favorite to win the Cup at this point. Yes, agreed. Yeah. You know, it's interesting the debate of Pekarene versus Vasile- Vasileski now for the for the Vezina. I mean, Rene's been on such a damn tear. Like he hasn't lost a game in over a month. But the only thing is he's sitting every third game because they're so far in front, right? So you have to value. Uh, you know, Vasileski's gonna end up probably playing. He's already played six more games right now. Does it matter to you if Rene only starts? I don't know, fifty-six games or Vasileski plays sixty-five. Is that enough to change things, or at this point, doesn't matter? Rene's just save percentage is even better now. I mean, now he's up to a nine thirty one, which is just insane. Or Vasilevsky's at a nine twenty two. I to me, I I don't think it actually matters. Like Rene is just dominating. Like he's been so hot. It's the anti Devin Dubnik of last year. Like. Rene and the problem is Rene wasn't slow to start out the year either. Like he played very well the entire season, and lately he's just been on. He's gone like um, Super Saiyan for all you Dragon Ball Z fans out there. 
Like, he's just... Like, he's... You can't score on him. Like, you can't you can't beat them. They're five... Like, Nashville's five and six in the shootout. Six of their losses are in the shootout. Guess what? There's no fucking shootout in, uh, in playoffs. So, like... I don't know. Like you take away shootout, you take away the shootout. They're forty three, fourteen, and four. That that's a <laughs> lot better. Like yeah. that's kind of nuts. So I, I don't know. Like I, I don't I don't see Winnipeg beating Nashville in a seven game series. I don't see anyone beating Nashville in a seven game series. Uh, like I'll be honest, unless there's another scenario, like. Last year, I would have told you if Johansson and um, who's the other guy they lost? Who else did they lose? Oh, the- well, they lost Fiala. Fiala and Johansson. They lost somebody else, too. Yeah, I'm trying I, to remember. I, I forget who it was. They're, they were basically down to. They're like to, Colton Sissons. Yeah, for, and Aberg. They basically were down to Forsberg and Arvidsson and. Flotsam. <laughs> like, they took such a friggin' beating. Yeah, and they still were in a six-game series with Pittsburgh. I'm going to tell you now, it, if they, they were... They could have easily won the two two of the losses. I mean, they got screwed in game six. Yeah, if and they, had, two if they right were there. healthy, I think Nashville would have won that series. If they were healthy, I think Nashville would have won that series. It's cer- I mean, it's certainly possible. If Nashville's now, healthy by the had, time... Now you had Turris. Yeah, and if Nashville's healthy getting to the Cup, I think they're winning it. And they get um, Tolvanen, right? Is that? Yeah, that's the interesting thing, too. If, if you're in a league that's a dynasty league, and I would, and you're out of it, just pick up uh, Ellie Tolvanen. This kid is ridiculous. They're all the talks are he's going to come over, but he's absolutely obliterated all the records in the KHL for under 21 scoring just loads of gold. He's just been disgusting and probably, I mean, you can argue he's the best prospect out of the NHL right now. Uh, it's close between him and Middlestat for sure. The, from a pure goal scoring perspective, he's definitely better than Middlestat. He has the potential to be eventually a, a top 50 fantasy player at the least. So if you're in a dynasty league, I'd grab him now, but now you put him on, He's going to go in the bottom six probably because their team is so stacked. You put him on a line with, I don't know, Yarn Croak and Hartman or something like that. It was just for the that's a, a disgusting perspective. That's a, like, that's a disgusting line. Yeah. Like they they have so many options. Like they can take an injury now way better than they could last year. Team is depth. This is unbelievable. Yeah, I believe Yarncroak is out right now. He, he is, yeah, he is right now, but I don't think it'll cost him playoff time, as far as, as far as I know. Like they could, like when they bring in Tolfin in, I'm like looking at their depth chart right now. Where exactly is he gonna go? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I was having a hard time pick because it, it's hard to say. Like the team is just so stacked. I mean, I maybe in Sisson spot, so it's Hartman. Benino and him, and then you have Fisher, Hartnell, and whoever in the bottom. Yarncroak, but yeah, then you have Colton Sissions as an extra guy. Like, right, like they they just have so many. So many forwards. I mean, to me, I, I would probably just scratch Hartnell, but I don't know. I don't know if they'll do that. But, God, and when I watched them last game, they actually had uh, Subban, or Yossi was playing with Potato. And Subban was with 
uh, Yemelin. You know, right now they have one of Yossi, Subban, or Ekholm and Ellis together out there at all times. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> like, 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 this is absurd. And even if they keep, you know, right now they're probably going to reunite uh, Ekholm, Subban, and Ellis, Yossi. That's kind of what I expect. Like, you're just getting 50 minutes of just complete lockdown. It's this it's, team is just it's, it's a dream, man. Like it's, it's almost like a video game team. How good they are! And cap wise, I don't think they're they're not even in like trouble next year no, either. No, they're not. Like the year after that, they have one more year of Ryan Ellis at two and a half million. After that, he's a free agent. I could see them having to lose him at that point, but maybe not because none of these guys are making crazy money. Like Johansson's making eight. But you only have Forsberg at six. They just got Arvidsson signed last year for four, four and a quarter. Uh, yeah, Subban's making nine. But you have Yossi still for two more years at a four million cap hit. Ekholm at three point seven five. Like they're not breaking the bank on anybody uh, besides Rene and Subban and Johansson in Forsberg. Those those four guys make up thirty million. But after that, no one's making more than four and a quarter, and it's a lot of really good guys too. And you look at who's a free agent for this team after the year. Uh, uh, nobody, literally nobody. Uh, you have uh, Saros is an RFA, uh, and obviously like Hartnell and Fisher because they just came back, and Yemelin. That's it. So there's no one of importance that is a free agent after this year or even the year after in the forward group. Besides, you have to go three years down the line for to find a UFA, which is Craig Smith. All these guys are locked in on good deals. It's just—it's a remarkable job that Pioli's done there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, where do we want to go? Okay, so we talked about how Rene's been really hot. Let's go to somebody who's been really not, and that's Braden Holtby. Ooh. Um, listen, Washington still looks like they're going to win their division, mm-hmm. but holy shit, they got to figure out what's going on in net because. Holpe is just not there right now. Right, and Grubauer's been really good, too. That's the thing. Um, actually, it's kind of like a nerdy number, but he's the best goal in the league this year at expected goals saved. So based on where the shots are coming from and the percentage of them going in, Grubauer's been better than any other goalie, actually, at making those saves. He started off awful. In the first like two months of the year, he was like unstreamable. Now his season numbers are down at two thirty seven, nine twenty two. He's an RFA after the year. I think a lot of teams should consider whether it's offer sheeting him or making a trade for him with the with the Capitals. I don't. I mean, I feel like they have to do it. They're locked in a Holpe. Holpe. They just got to hope it's going to turn it around, and they can't really afford to pay Grubauer because they've signed all these guys and. They're probably going to have to sign Carlson still. Like if they lose him, their defense just gets gutted. So they're going to be tight to the cap. Can they really afford to pay? You know, Holpe's backup. I don't. I don't think so. And I think he would be a great find if again he's another guy. If he was available in your league and you're out of it, and it's a keeper league, pick him up because you might just stumble into a keeper if he's traded to. I don't know, say Buffalo and they decide they don't want to move on from Laner and they go with a Grubauer Olmark tandem. I think that's in play. I think there are a lot of teams who would take the chance on Grubauer um, to go back to Holtby. I mean, I never could have imagined this type of year from him. Like, he's he's been the top three fantasy goalie for three years running now, 
you don't find that consistency normally. Uh, he's down to a 906 save percentage on the season, a three goals against, which is disgusting. I mean, the wins are solid. They're not as good as they usually are, but they're still good. I mean, 31 and 50 games. Yeah. But, I mean, he's been a number two, a bottom end number two for fantasy when he should be, like, the number two goalie. <laughs> um, I mean, what are, your, what are your thoughts on him just, you know, in the playoffs? Or do you think he's going to turn it around or not? And I guess you can tie in. Matt Murray to that too, who he came back yesterday and gave up four goals. Granted, he faced 40 shots, but uh, his numbers aren't much better than in uh, Holpe's at a 909 save percentage and a 283 goals against. Um, I I think Holpe can turn it around for the playoffs. Um, their first round matchup is probably going to be like Philadelphia or Columbus. Yeah, which is not amateur Philly at this point, but I don't know. Which is end up being Florida too. That's not impossible. Yeah, I think Philly would be a bad matchup because they can score. Um, They can score a lot too, and that's not what Holtby needs. He needs like he needs to somehow miraculously New Jersey gets hot, and then they can just try and focus down Taylor Hall. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, just an update. Patrick Laine uh, looking like he might miss a few games. That that's huge for fantasy like playoffs. That being said, um, back to Holpe. Uh, for Grubauer leaving, I don't think it's that big of an issue for Washington if he leaves. And the only reason I say that is because a couple years ago, I think it was two years ago, they drafted Ilya Samsonov in the first round. He was a top-rated goalie in that draft out of Russia. He's in the KHL right now. They can just bring him in and be the backup next year. So I am not sure it's going to be, like, that massive of a loss. That being said, like I mean, Gru- it's just, in general, I'd absolutely agree. Just this year, they would have been lost without Grubauer. Right, absolutely, abs- absolutely. Grubauer has been keeping them at the top of this division. Mm-hmm. They have a four-point lead over Pittsburgh and Columbus right now. They have the game in hand over Columbus, but like I think they'll still win the division. I think they need to win the division, though. They need the home ice against Pittsburgh or Columbus in the second round. I think they'll beat the. They'll win their first round. And then, again, it's always they have to face Pittsburgh in the second round. Right. I mean, (coughs) it feels like one of those years where it just reminds me of the Sharks two years ago when everyone kind of wrote them for dead and then they made the cup finals. I kind of had this weird feeling with uh, Washington that they're finally going to break through and get to the conference finals at least. That's just completely unsubstantiated. But I I think Holpe, again, let's say they do play Pittsburgh. I mean, if he wins a round, he's going to have more confidence to begin with. But, Mur- like I said, Murray hasn't been any better either. That could just be a ridiculous series. If those two guys don't find their game, we could be looking at five, four games regularly. Where, they'll, you know, the last couple of years when they played, there's been a lot of low-scoring games, more than you would even suspect. And not even just the Game 7s, because Game 7s always play tighter. But not the amount of goals you'd expect from those two teams. I might see the opposite this year. I mean, we should talk about Columbus, too. I mean, they ripped off nine wins in a row after they looked like they were on the outside looking in. Uh, I'm really liking how they've done these these lines now. Like Wenberg with uh, Vanek and Jenner has been really good. Uh, Vanek has worked out with Thorts. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say, like, 
complete surprise, but uh, he's rolling right now. They're actually giving him minutes, and uh, you know he he's had a four, he's on a four game point streak in his last uh, seven games. He's got eight points. He's coming into his own. He's a great streamer at the least right now. He's been at least plus one every single one of those seven games. Uh, the team's just got nice depth, and they're doing this without Seth Jones right now too, who looks like he's still going to miss another game or two. So he's another guy you, I'd probably just cut him because I couldn't wait. But yeah. It's only going to get better uh, defensively for them too. And Bob's Bob's been good, but he hasn't been great. Like it, it's tough because they haven't broke through in the playoffs at all yet. But at least this team has some upside in guys now like Dubois, uh, Bjorkstrand, Milano, and you know, I, Wenberg's starting to play well. But uh, the top line is the thing. Panarin's been great and. Atkinson, after a horrible start, has been very good as well. And this team is dangerous. I, again, I'm not going to pick them to pick beat Pittsburgh probably just because just how Pittsburgh is. They just get there and win. <laughs> but I think they are a serious threat, on, you know, even more than in the past, because they can roll out three decent lines right now. They're using Felino, Bjorkstrand, and Milano. Uh, not really as a shutdown line, but kind of in that role. And those guys all got some pop, too. And, you know, their fourth line is guys like Latestu and Calvert who, yeah, they're not really good, but they're not going to kill you either. So I kind of like what this team's done. And I thought they were in real trouble two weeks ago, and boom, nine in a row. <laughs> um, yeah, I I think Pittsburgh should actually be nervous about Columbus. I just personally, like, the way Columbus plays, they are playing, they're hot at, the right time of the season. Um, Pittsburgh got hot right after January 1st, but they've kind of cooled off a little bit. Um, Columbus is getting hot now. Like You look at the last 10 games for a lot of these teams in the East. Washington, 7-3 in their last 10. Columbus, 9-1 in their last 10. Tampa, 7-2-1 in their last 10. Boston, 7-2-1 in their last 10. Florida, 7-2-1 in their last 10, and they've won, like, 20 games since, like, January 1st or something. Then you go to the other teams. Pittsburgh, 5-4-1, last 10. Toronto, 5-3-2 in their last 10. Philly, 3-5-2. New Jersey, 4-6. That's not going to get it done to, A, get in the playoffs, or, B, win in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't put too much stock in how teams are playing down the stretch, uh, but it matters a lot right now for seeding at least. And I mean, if you were Columbus, it is a big deal. They've gone from probably the the second wild card to having to play Tampa uh, to moving up to play Pittsburgh, and it doesn't sound like much of a bonus. But you know, right now, they're tied with Pittsburgh. Uh, they don't have the tiebreaker, and Pittsburgh does have the game in hand, but. They could beat that. They could they could catch them, and then all of a sudden they got home ice, and it comes a little more interesting at least. Philadelphia, they've gone from potentially winning the division to sitting in fourth right now, uh, having to play Washington. Which again, I don't think there's too much difference between playing Washington and Philly, but or Washington or Pittsburgh, excuse me. But Philly's a dangerous team, and they also could be a team I could see getting swept. Like there's a you never know what you're going to get from them, especially in the bottom six. Like you might get literally nothing from that bottom six over a five game stretch. It wouldn't surprise me. So that's always a problem. And the same goes with you know the Devils. 
And do you think the Devils are going to get in, or do you think Florida's going to get in? I think Florida's going to get in. Oh, yeah, I do. Florida I do. is playing really well lately. Really well. Um, I mean, the interesting thing is, I mean, if Florida won their games in hand, they would actually hop Philly, too, because they, they're five points back, but they have uh, three games in hand right now. Uh, and they got, let's see, it's an even split between home and road really i mean the, the tough thing is for florida the last week they have such a cramped schedule because they have to add the the makeup game against the bruins if that game doesn't matter it's going to matter in some regards either i don't think they're going to be dead at that point but it could matter for potential seating it could matter you know for Bo- i mean boston too they're only five back with two and in tampa like they're not completely dead in that regard so if you're man. boston do you do you even want to catch Tampa? I think so. I think one, you get home ice against Tampa in the round after, right? But you, I mean, I'd I'd rather play. I don't know. I guess you'd be playing Florida, New Philly, New Jersey. I'd rather play one of them probably than Toronto. Uh, I wouldn't be scared of Toronto by any means, but I just think it's more to get home ice against Tampa in the next round. I'd probably want it. Yeah, I guess um, because I know we have a lot of Canadian listeners. Might as well just talk about the Maple Leafs. Um, they, like, here's an, uh, kind of an interesting one. They only have 36 regulation and overtime wins this year. That for a team in the Atlantic division is actually pretty low. Um, it's three fewer than Washington or Pittsburgh. It's like six fewer than Boston and eight fewer than Tampa. Like, because to me, like in the playoffs, regulation and overtime wins are the ones that are important. Mm-hmm. It's not so much the shootout. Like they're seven and two in the shootout, which is great for them in standings. But it also kind of over. It kind of like over pumps what their actual team value is, though, right? Yeah, it does. On the other hand, you can say they've gotten two games from Matthews in a month, and they've still been playing above pseudo 500 they've been playing real 500 hockey so i i do think they deserve some credit for that yes they've, they've got the young guys coming around but at the end of the day they're going to need anderson to stand on his head against boston or tampa because def- defensively boston. defensively they are lost Th- this team just oh, gives yeah. up goals everywhere lately. oh yeah like they're they need to do something like this offseason you have to find some way to go about it uh Obviously, you're not going to touch the main three guys, but after Marner, Matthews, and Nylander, you have to make a trade. You have to do something. Like you can't keep running back this blue line because it's just it's not Stanley Cup caliber. It's not particularly close. Uh, I feel good about Dermot eventually turning into a decent guy. He's impressed me. But, you know, you're still rolling out Roman Polak. You're still rolling out. You know, Ron Hainsey, Connor Carrick. I like Riley. I like Gardner. You have Dermott. There's your left side. The whole right side is just a disaster. And whether they have to hope some prospects, more prospects come up and succeed like Dermott has, or you have to break the bank, you have to make a trade, you have to do something. But uh, you're not going to get any better losing. I mean, JBR's had a great year. I'm almost assuming he's a lock to be gone because I don't know if they can pay him. But you have guys like Kasperi Kapanen, and who I really like. I think they can they can stomach losing the goals, especially once you know 
assume I'm just looking forward where they have Matthews in their lineup. But you can't get anywhere with this blue line at the end of the day. It is that simple. I keep rambling about it, but it's a simple point. Until they address the blue line, they're going to be a step behind uh, Tampa, Boston, Pittsburgh at the least. You're, you can't pick them to finish ahead of where they are. I mean, maybe they could finish second next year if the Boston guys regress a little, sophomore slumps or any of that stuff. But you're, you're so far behind Tampa with McDonough and Miller there for next year too at the least that – I don't know. You just you have to try to do something. You can't waste the years where Matthews is making three million dollars before he's making eleven or twelve. You have to do something next year, and you have to get a blue line. You got a right right-handed defenseman and, and hope for the best. As good as Babcock is, you can't cover up Roman Polak. You know what I mean? No, you cannot. And there is one right-handed defenseman hitting the market after this year or after this season. Who um I believe Toronto would be more than happy to overpay, and that's John Carlson. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if Washington can get it locked down with him. I mean, they signed uh, Eller. Uh, who the hell was the other free agent that or to be that they locked in? I'm drawing a blank, but they they've got the everyone done but Carlson, and it'll be interesting to see if they can get him get a deal done. I mean, he's had an incredible bounce back year. Not surprised in the slightest, but he had a rough year last year, and you know now he's among. I mean, he's a slam dunk number one fantasy defenseman. He's been a number one all year for them. Uh, they really can't afford to lose in Washington. I mean, at that point, you're looking at a blue line of Orloff, and then Niskanen, and young guys who we have no idea if they're going to be any good, like Christian Juice or uh, Madison Bowie. You still have Orpic for another year. Their blue line just goes from passable to complete garbage without Carlson, honestly. So I feel like they have to do whatever they can to make it work, but they might not be able to. Maybe Carlson has his set, sights set on leaving. I don't know. Maybe it depends how they do in the playoffs this year. It, it'll be interesting. But he is like the one marquee free agent that actually moves the needle. I mean – there are just so few defensemen that are any good that are going to be free agents at this point. Like like Mike Green, is, he's not going to move the needle for them. No, he's not. Like there, there's no other quality D. It's it's pretty awful if you look at the list. Like you can hope, say Calvin DeHaan bounces back. I think he'd be a nice second pairing guy. That would make some sense, but. You're down. That's a whole other tier down from Carlson, obviously. And you look at who else. It's like RFAs. They're never going to get because the teams are just going to match. Like I don't know, Dumba, Ryan Murray, stuff like that. Otherwise, you're looking at like Ian Cole or other. It's just guys who would definitely help them because the guys Toronto has right now just aren't that good. But they're not going to move the needle like Carlson or anyone else that they can try to trade for is it's just not gonna happen yeah all right um let's do one last toronto primer before a three-point challenge i think um okay uh will toronto sign this free agent this is the favorite this is the best game in uh toronto sports media on twitter so on and so forth all right will toronto will john Tavares be wearing a toronto maple leaf sweater next year I would say no. Uh, I mean, there's obviously a chance, but 
I would say, uh, I, I would. I don't know if I would take it a 50-50 on him staying, but it, in in New York. But I think it's really close. My my gut says he's gonna stay there. Maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, God, if, if they actually sign him though, like what are they gonna do cap wise? Like it's it's a mess, man. If you <laughs> if you go past this year, I mean, you're talking so many guys that are making bank. I don't know if it would actually be good for them, which sounds kind of crazy because we're talking about them getting a top, I don't know, 10 center in the league. But their books would be just so screwed up for the foreseeable future. If you end up having to give him, I don't know, $10.5 million more. I mean, how much money do you think he would get if he actually hits the market and leaves the Islanders? Uh, 12. Stays with, I, okay, I think it's so. 12. The reason I think it's 12 is – it's a lot like in the NFL with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is not the best quarterback in the NFL. The reason he's paid that way is because he hit free agency. Right. So you have to over everyone overpays in free agency. Unless you're the Bills signing AJ McCarron for literally like a bag of peanuts. But <laughs> you're you're going to overpay in free agency. John Tavares was like he was the best prospect to come out since he was touted since he was like 14 years old like Right. Wait for John Tavares to uh, his draft year. Um, so I, I think he'd get probably around 12, 11 and a half, 11, 12 million dollars right, a year. Sure, that seems fun. That so seems then reasonable. you have, so if you're Toronto, you have that contract. What's Matthews making? I mean, What's Matthews at, commanding? At the dead least, at the, that's the problem. We don't know what he wants, right? Uh, Gary, we're still a year away from that. They could fit Tavares in next year. Next year's not the problem. See, after. Once you have Matthews and Nylander, or Matthews and Marner both up as RFAs, do they, you know, Matthews, I mean, at the least you think he'd want what Eichel got. You know, if he wants more, if he wants to get, you know, McDavid money, he can. He, I mean, he, he's got them by the balls. He can do, I mean, he can do whatever he wants, really. You you have Marlowe locked in six and a, six and a quarter for two more years. Uh, Kadri's locked in four and a half. Then after that, you do have some breathing room, except you, you know, you Riley's the the blue line. You're spending a little more money than you'd like uh, for guys that aren't that great, like Hainsey, uh, Zaitsev. But but then you can't afford you, you to upgrade. To point, you end up getting to yeah, you get up getting to a point where Chicago was, and it sounds great because Chicago has three cups. But holy shit, is it ugly now? And the reason it was working. Well, I'm not counting the first one because the first one, they had so many guys that were dirt cheap and literally all were expiring at the same time, and it's why they had to gut that team. I mean, that team was probably the best uh, the best Stanley Cup champion uh, post uh, the last, the first lockout in 2004-05. I think that Chicago team, the first one that won, was the best one by far. I mean, you had Buffalo and Ladd and guys like that in the bottom six. The team was just stacked, but... You have to hit on so many ELCs for that team to work like uh, Chicago did over the years. And you don't want I – don't, I just don't want to be in that spot if I'm Toronto. I mean, you can get to the point where you're paying your top four guys uh, over $40 million or pushing it. If, if Matthews and Tavares got 12, uh, you're looking probably at seven to eight for Nylander and Marner. You're pushing forty million and four guys now. If the cap keeps going up, then it actually would work out fine. And maybe you just say Tavares is so damn good. Whatever, we'll worry about it later. It's an interesting debate, but 
I don't, I don't. I really don't know what Toronto's going to do. I mean, it, to me, next year just seems like such a good time to add, even though these guys are still nowhere near their prime. I mean, Matthews is twenty, uh, Marner is twenty, Nealander's twenty-one. They're nowhere near their prime, but taking advantage of the stretch when they're not making much is such a such a bonus that I feel like they have to do something next year. Yeah, um, we talk about a lot with. When you hit on these top one, top two overall picks, you gotta take that window like immediately. Like you have to, you have to really try and win in that window, because eventually it's going. Like you have to pay the piper down the road. You see it in the NFL. You see it in the NBA. You're gonna see it here in the NHL. Edmonton had a, like Edmonton's window will always be open. But it will never be more open than it was when they had McDavid making. I mean, this year should it, this is where they should be this year, but they just right. And now next year, next year he's making twelve million. He's twelve and a half million dollars against the cap. Right. Add that. Add that with Lucic and Drysidle. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's almost thirty percent of your cap right there for three forwards. One of which is a complete waste of space. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I, w- I just want to say on your other point about hitting on a first overall pick, I think it's even more true if you hit it on a guy that's in the top 10 but not first. Like, Nylander and Marner are making less than Matthews combined right now. They're at $1.74 million each. Like, you hit on those guys and you're saving, I don't know, $6 million Like, Nylander has to get paid next. His contract's up after this year, right? He's an yeah, RFA he's, an, he's an RFA now. So what's so. he getting? Like, you have to bridge deal him almost. Um. Yeah, I don't know what they're gonna do because, like, they have uh, JVR, Bozak, Komarov off the books. That's twelve million. Uh, Loopholes. He's been on long term IR, so he doesn't really matter anyway. But, um, I mean, you can, if you can get a seven year deal done and he eats up three RFA or three UFA years, and you can give him, I don't know, close to seven million, I probably would do it now, but. I mean, it's either like a two-year deal or a seven-year deal. There's no middle ground. I don't know if he wants the two-year deal. I mean, I guess a three-year deal, but those guys, no one ever agrees to that. They don't go one year to UF. Teams just don't do it. Um, Tampa was lucky enough that uh, Kucherov was willing. I mean, I I still can't believe he took that deal. It blows my mind, but... uh, I don't think anyone's going to be that lucky again. So, I, mean, I don't. I don't know. Where do, do you think Tavares is going to stay? He's going to go to Toronto. You I think he's going to stay. Yeah. I think he's going to stay, and a lot of it, I think, is because of the uh, eventual Calder Trophy winner this year, Matthew Barzell. He finally it definitely changes things. He finally has a Robin. Mm-hmm. He finally has another center that he can just be protected by or he doesn't have to put up one point like three points per game well, in order to carry like, his team when, when they made the playoffs and they won the round the one year like franz nielsen protected him franz nielsen was really good for a stretch but he never scored like this you know he, franz nielsen was a solid 50 55 points but a lot of that was power play but he, he played very well defensively he had that protection that way now it's he can be the shutdown guy if they wanted to, and Barzal can get the points. It just changed. They just have so many more options. And while they are disappointed they missed the playoffs, I mean, it's, again, 
the goaltending was a dumpster fire. Uh, hope to get that fixed, I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't know. The they, only problem I have, the the only reason I'm not saying it's a lock he's back with the Islanders is Garth Snow. Like, I don't like, understand. Seems like they have a good relationship, which is in their favor. But I yeah, don't know. no, they might have a good relationship. But if he's looking to win. Can you trust Garth Snow to put a put a winning formula out there? That's my problem with it. Is yeah, I mean, how do you I, trust him with just rolling Grice and Halak and adding no goalie or no defenseman and just saying, "No, nah, we're good. Like, let's do this." Yeah, like I don't. I have a bigger problem. Like he pays Sezikis and Clutterbuck. Like they're almost making seven million between them. Like that's crazy. These are fourth liners. They're awesome fourth liners. They're fourth liners, and and that's where you end up handcuffing your team more. If you overpay a top six guy a little bit, it's not the end of the world because you're going to get production. What are you going to get from Casey Sezikis in a good year? I don't know, eight goals. Oh, like you're paying him three point three five million for three more years after this one. You have Clutterbuck for four more years after this one at three and a half. Like that's where the mistakes are in my mind. But you have Kiefer Bellows coming up. You have uh, Ho Sang hopefully you know, puts it together a little bit now, now he's 22. Um, Michael Dalcali, who was a fifth overall pick at one point, uh, still hasn't really panned out. Like They do have some decent prospects. Um, they have the Latvian goalie, uh, Gudlevskis. I, I hope he comes over. Or they have a, a really good Russian prospect, but I don't think he's coming over yet. Halak's free agent, so you got to do something in that spot. You have Grice. I feel like Grice could recover. I mean, maybe not. I don't know. But you have two more years of him at a reasonable number, $3.3 million. That's not so bad. You have to do something in Halak's spot. And I guess the, the tough cap thing is, you know, Tavares' cap hit right now is only five and a half, so you're talking a big bump for whatever he's going to get if you keep him, at least to $10 million. That's a four and a half raise that you got to find somewhere else. Um, I think Brock Nelson could get traded. I think he could be a guy that they could move and actually get a, a nice uh, defensive piece that would help this team. But uh, you know, Johnny Boychuk's thirty-four now, and you're paying him six million for four more years. Like that's bad. Y- they have a lot of good deals and a lot of bad deals. And I don't, again, I don't know where this help on the blue lines. Like they have some interesting young guys. I like Ryan Pulak, uh, Aho, the other Sebastian Aho could end up being all right. But you're just they're going uphill. Like, part of it is like you have the heart. They're in worse shape defensively than Toronto, so it's like does he yep. want to stay for like they're just they're Toronto basically just the worst version of him. Like, ignoring, taking Tavares off the team, like, they have some interesting young guys, but they're not as good as Toronto's young guys. Goaltending's worse. The defense is worse. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It, all indications are that, is that he wants to stay, but I don't know. When you get that close to free agency, I just maybe he changes his mind, and someone's going to offer him a ton of money. They should. I mean, Arizona should just offer him, like, not the max, but just something stupid, just to see if he'll take it. I mean, maybe he would. I don't know. Like, all these teams with a ton of cap space would just be like, screw it, just go for it. 
offer him all the money, maybe that maybe he'll take it. I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, okay, so the original game was will the Tr- will the Maple Leafs sign, and we got on a large tangent with uh, the Islanders there. So let's go <laughs> oh. back. Will Drew Doughty be wearing a Toronto Maple Leafs jersey for the 2019-2020 season? I, I'll no, he'll stay. I guess I don't. Like I, have, I don't. Know, I have no good feeling. It's too far away. But uh, Doughty seems like a guy who's going to stay there his whole career. Maybe I'm wrong, but. How could they not just give him whatever he wants? That's what they should do, right? I like, mean, I guess, I guess you like they're kind of locked into paying these guys a lot of money, but you find a way to make Drew Doughty work. Like the cap's going up a ton like to, next it, year. It's going up between um, three and seven, seven million, right? Yeah, yeah. it's going I mean, up. For, I, if it goes up to if it's a seven million dollar increase in the cap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I always just assume the lower end just to be safe, but even still, I mean, the thing is, though, this team is locked in for, like, three or four more years, easy. Like, up and down, you have, uh, for at least signed for three more years, Kopitar, Brown, Carter, making a combined $21 million. Tanner Pearson, uh, Trevor Lewis, uh, Stafoli has two more years after this one. And then you look at the blue line, you have Martinez locked in for three years past this one for four million. Muslin two more years past this one at four million. Uh, Fanoff's five point two five uh, cap number with the Ottawa holding money for three more years. So quick five point eight for God knows how long. Like they're kind of strapped, but we find a way to make it work for Dowdy. And all it takes is the cap going up a few million. He's making seven now. If he ends up getting ten. You find that three million in the cap going up anyway. Yeah, exactly. I I, I don't see him going to the Maple Leafs. Sorry, Leafs fans. Um, I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, also, let's do our way too early. Where will Eric Carlson go? I'm st- I'm, I'm hoping Vegas. Honestly, I don't know, but <laughs> that's kind of my dream spot for him. You know, I was gonna say Vegas, but they no longer have their first. Or would they give up a first, a second, and a third? For Tatar, yeah. Um, not all from the same draft, but that's a lot to give up that you don't have to trade for Eric Carlson. Yeah, but, I mean, you also just took three lottery picks or close to it in this last draft. So Right, so you need to – what would it take, if they gave two up of them? Eric, if they gave up Eric Brandstrom and someone else uh, – if they give up Brandstrom, Suzuki, and like, but you have to find some younger roster players too. That's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't know. Alex Tuck might have to go at that point. Tucker Halla, one of them. Yeah, I think Tuck was. I mean, he's younger than Hall is, but Hall is also signed for cheap for a while. I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I just love that fit. There. I just I don't know. I'd like him there. I I don't want to hate on Ottawa either. Maybe he ends up staying there. Like, crazier things have happened than he ends up signing and staying there. Like, it wouldn't. I wouldn't rule it out. I just yeah, right now, I'd say it's probably not going to happen. Yeah, I can't see. I can't see Tampa having the assets not to trade for him. They give up. They no, I'm have... saying he might actually stay in Ottawa. Wouldn't shock me. Oh, Tampa. Tampa, unless he hits our, unless he hits UFA, it just can't happen. 
I, even that, it's going to be like near impossible. Like his wife's from, he met his wife in Ottawa, so that's like a a good thing for Senators fans, like tie like kind of tying him to the area. The other problem is like. Their owner, Eugene Melnick, is really, really holding back this team in terms of players wanting to go there, players wanting to sign long-term deals there, uh, players wanting to just leave there. Like The Kyle Turris story, to me, is just fascinating with what happened in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Um they're just like that whole fa- the uh, Kyle Turris and his wife are both like, yeah, that owner is a clown, and we just we just want to leave. Um, he just a low baller. He's cheap. Um, just cutting corners at every which way possible in terms of spending money, blaming literally everyone else other than himself for why Ottawa can't get fans in the stands, mm-hmm. like to the point where he's blaming the fans um oh well we're not putting a good product on the ice so clearly in order to get fans or it's not so much about getting fans in the stands it's we're gonna have to cut costs which means we're gonna have to cut salary that like that can't be the answer um i think that's one of the reasons why i don't think he stays in ottawa Mm. i I wouldn't rule it out completely but i I don't think that's going to be one of the reasons why um, yeah, it's certain. I mean, it's certainly in play. That it was it was eye opening that Turris's wife said like, "Yeah, he didn't stay because they the owner didn't want to pay money." <laughs> like, that's pretty awful. I mean, I guess side note. Well, not really a side note because Ottawa's in this group, even though they're playing a little better now. But we talked about teams tanking, not necessarily tanking, but being bad at the bottom of the standings. There are a bunch of teams right now that you should be trying to stream your guys against. Uh, Detroit. First and foremost, I mean, they won again on Tuesday, but that was their first win in 11 games. Uh, Montreal is a complete disaster right now. I would start literally any goalie against them. I don't care who it is. They're just they're awful offensively at the moment. And that doesn't even bring up Vancouver, who would be my bet to finish last in the league right now. A lot of that is injuries. I mean, they've taken a friggin' beating. I mean, besides Horvat. Almost every single guy in the Sedins, I guess, but they're even like playing limited role at this point in the career. Every one of their guys is injured. You're looking at um, Erickson, Granlin, Berchi, Besser. You look at their, <laughs> you look at their top six right now. This is a legitimate top six in the NHL. Brandon Leipzig, Bo Horvat, Nikolai Goldobin, Reed Boucher, and the Sedins. Your third line is Darren Archibald, Brandon Sutter, Sam Gagne. Your fourth line is Nick Dowd, Jake Vertanen, and UC Jokinen. Why is Jake Vertanen on the fourth line? I don't know. He's not looked good when I've watched them, but still, you got to find out more. Obviously, the blue line is a disaster once you get past. It's like Tanev. Uh, he's the only one. I guess Edler's all right, but this team is just a complete <laughs> mess right now. They've lost uh, seven in a row. None of them aren't even close. I would use everyone against them. I mean, I'd be a little scared starting guys in Arizona, actually. Arizona's playing all right. Uh, you know, Buffalo and Ottawa are playing all right, too, but I'd still be targeting them. It's We're not at, like, uh, NBA levels of tanking, but it's really bad right now at the bottom of the league, and it's going to be an interesting race for, for last between Vancouver, Arizona, and Buffalo, it looks like. But then you also have a big race between – Montreal, Ottawa, and Detroit for four through six because 
they're all in they're in no man's land really they're all within two two, points of each other right and the way Ottawa's playing right now they might be the favorite to jump those teams because Carlson's playing very well I mean no surprise and Duchesne at least looks really good for them I guess here's an interesting question too um say Ottawa finishes sixth and say like two teams top them in the lottery and they finish they're picking eighth do you give Colorado the first round pick or do you keep it and give them next year's for the Duchesne trade oh man um because so the only other time this has happened that I remember is uh, the Vanek trade where the Islanders had the right to give it to him this year or the year after they ended up having the fifth pick they kept it and then they end up actually making the playoffs the next year. Yeah. Well, although, granted, the pick was the pick was Michael Dalcali, and he hasn't really played at all yet. So, in that regard, it hasn't worked. But um, so if so they the end up is, picking gonna, eighth, the thing is, like, if you're going to trade Carlson, that pick's probably going to be better than eighth, right? Yeah, that's that's why it like you have to establish both things, right? Like, if you're mm-hmm. moving Carlson. You have to just let that pick go and just keep right. your pick the next year. Yeah, I like, agree. Because I guess what, what everyone's wondering is, well, why not just take, like, the eighth player? You could say, oh, well, Casey Middlestat was the eighth pick this year, and he's, like, the number one prospect who's not in the NHL or AHL mm-hmm. yet um, in the league. And the argument, the reason why is Jack Hughes. Um, right. Jack Hughes, uh, American-born center, I He's not big. I think he's what five eleven or yeah. He's his brother, who's is Quinn Hughes, is in this draft and could be a top five or six pick. He's not a big guy either. No, they're they're small. But Jack Hughes is absolutely electric. Um, he is he I he's the class of next year's draft. Mm-hmm. I I don't even think it's close either. No. Um, people have been looking at Jack Hughes and his draft for two years now. And we still have another year after this one to hype up the Jack the Jack Hughes pick. This is where it, it's going to be interesting to see what teams do next year because he is an electric center. It's like, um, to me, it's a lot like, not the Stamkos draft. I'm trying to think of a draft where, like, almost closer to the McKinnon-type draft. Where it was like clear, like there was one, like one center above the rest, but there were like a bunch of other good players in that too. Let's just can we just look back at that draft, the top so, four? So that was Barkoff, Seth Jones was fourth, and uh, Jonathan Druin was third. Oh, poor Druin. Poor Druin. He might be the he might be the biggest, not the biggest disappointment this year, but he's up there. He I okay. Believe, I mean, so I was never it, a big fan, but or for fantasy, but. Or this year, at least. But my God, what a train wreck! I think there's a problem with calling him a disappointment because the team, like, who is he playing with? I know that McKinnon is elevating everyone else, and that's why he's a Hart Trophy winner. I'm not saying they should all be Hart Trophy like finalists, no, but like Druin is playing with absolutely nobody. His defense is garbage. His wingers are trash right now. So, I, like, I don't know how you sit there. And just say, you know what? Like, Drone's got to be better. He's a winger, and they're forcing him to play center. Like that, that, I, that is a hundred percent true, and that and that is stupid. But I mean, he's also playing at he's got eleven goals. He's playing at a thirteen goal pace, and that's not good. 
44 points. Like, that's just brutal. They're giving him heavy ozone starts. Uh, I mean, he was playing with patches for a little bit, but you're right. I mean, playing out of position, I mean, thought of making him a center is just so dumb. It just makes literally no sense at all. Uh, again, it's scary, but uh, he doesn't turn 23 till next week. So it's not like he's hopeless, you know. The, we've seen the upside in stretches. It's just what a lost year. I mean, it, it it really is that simple. It's just a completely lost year for him and Montreal in general, really. Yeah, I agree. Um, you want to do a three-point challenge? Yeah, let's do a three-point challenge. Yeah, Thursday. Um, trying to bring up the schedule now. Uh, the points race. It's getting a little interesting at the top. With uh, I mean, McKinnon and McDavid are right behind uh, Kucherov now. You have Malk and Giroux, Stamkos, uh, Kopitar, Goudreau, Ovechkin, and Wheeler rounding out the top ten. Uh, Thursday, pretty big schedule games. I'd say marquee games of the day. Uh, we're looking at some late ones. Uh, L.A. in Colorado, big playoff game. Uh, Vegas and San Jose. Uh, Nashville-Toronto, which is, should just be a good game. Uh, the, the early games are lacking outside of uh, Florida-Columbus, which is obviously the most leverage of any game of the day uh, with Florida just outside looking in right now and Columbus on an absolute tear. Two teams just on a, on a heater. Uh, the other early games are lacking, to say the least, so that will definitely be getting my attention. Uh, your thoughts on the slate and – um, like I know exactly where I'm going for the three point challenge. the The most important game is definitely Florida Columbus. Um, oh, that yeah. is that like Florida needs to win that game, and Columbus also needs to win that game because I think if Columbus has home ice over Pittsburgh in the first round, it becomes way more interesting. It becomes a very interesting series, very interesting series. Mm-hmm. Um, Edmonton Ottawa is going to be a dumpster fire. I expect like a six oh, point God. night. I expect like a five point night from McDavid again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before we recorded, I told you like I don't think it's impossible. McDavid still ends up leading the league in points. Like it's it's not out of the question. He's four back right now and. Uh, it just it wouldn't surprise me. I assume he's going to top last year's totals, but uh, he's still got a game with Ottawa that we talked about. He's still got a game with uh, two games left with Vancouver too. So uh, you might get ten points on those three games. Yeah. So, um, like Vegas, San Jose will be a good game. Uh, the what are the NBC has said? Washington and Detroit. Why? Because it's NBC, of course they got to put. Jesus Christ! Imagine the imagine how good of an exposure, like spotlight, it would be if they had Toronto Nashville. Like that'll be in terms not like like Columbus and Florida is the most important game for playoff implications. The best game is Toronto at Nashville. Yeah, Um, at least at least Vegas San Jose is going on NBCSN now too at the late game, which is a good one, but. Uh, like yeah, I'm it's still, it's still ridiculous. Like I, mean, I have uh, center ice, and I will be watching Toronto at Nashville. Uh, that is going to be a really good game. So I, I guess for my three point challenge, I'm actually going to none of those games. I'm going to Sebastian Ajo for the Hurricanes. I mm. have to actually clarify which Sebastian Ajo now because <laughs> both of them are playing. Um, yeah. They're playing at home against Arizona, and Arizona will be on a back to, the sec the back end of a back to back. Like. 
I, I think Carolina will murder them. Arizona stinks on the road. They'll be playing in Buffalo la- uh, Wednesday night. Yep. I, I, I'm like Carolina should put up seven goals on them. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. my guess, So what's going to happen is Arizona will win like three nothing or something. Just <laughs> completely clown everything. Also, can we talk about how bad the owner for Carolina is right now in terms of finding a GM? Oh yeah, this, this is a, that is a horrible situation. How can you keep the guy uh, Francis promote him in quotes, but he's not going to do anything? He literally is a figurehead. He does nothing. Like that's just absurd. And they're lowballing all of these GMs. Like they'd have right. to pay take pay decreases in order to go there. Like, do you yeah. not what like? Is, does that guy sure. not understand how much it actually costs for a GM? No, I don't think he does. I think it's just, he's clueless. Apparently, <laughs> uh, um, I'm going to take Drysdale. Edmonton, Ottawa. I think that game could be ridiculously high scoring, <laughs> even though Carlson's probably going to miss it. Sally because his uh, his kid died. He was he wasn't born yet, but sad nonetheless. Um, that that game just screams like. Seven to five to me for whatever reason. So again, that'll probably be a two nothing, two nothing out of a win. But I'll uh, I'll take Dry's idol. Um, be sure to get your picks in hockey.resball.com. Anything you want us to talk about going forward, uh, right in the comment section there. Uh, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at resballviz. Reed is at reedcash17. Um, baseball stuff's picking up. Uh, by the time you hear this, the uh, the Razzball Experts League is going to be drafted, which I'm in. It should be interesting to draft with all these guys who are, uh, are better than me. I'm going to take some gambles because it's, it's my only chance, uh, but I'm sure there will be a write-up on that. Uh, check out you know, the football podcast has been going. There will be a lot of talk coming up soon with free agency, all that stuff. Uh, anything you got to add, Reed? No, that no. I think you hit everything on the head. So all right. So yeah, we'll probably be back next week uh, as we come down the last two weeks of the regular season, and uh, we'll talk to everybody soon. Take it easy. Yep. Take care, everyone.